I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. In this episode, we gain insight into the world of flight medicine with part of the team from Lifestar. They share their journeys into emergency medicine as well as their beginnings in flight medicine. We talk about the current state of EMS and what should potentially happen to move the industry forward. They also give great advice for EMT students and new healthcare providers. Please enjoy my conversation with Liesl, Aaron, Casey, and Zach. Thank you. Um, we have three lovely, amazing team members of Lifestar. And can you guys just quickly introduce yourselves and maybe how long you guys have been practicing flight medicine? I am Aaron. I am a flight nurse, and I have been here with Lifestar for two and a half years now. All right. I'm Zach. I'm a flight medic here at Lifestar. I just passed my one year last week. Oh, congrats. <laughs> and I am Casey. I am a flight medic here at Lifestar, and I've been here for just at three years. Wow. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You're an old man. <laughs> so old. How's, how's 2020 going for you guys? How, how, what's the flight medicine space looking like in 2020 so far? So far, it looks pretty good. Um, usually, the beginning of the year for us can be hit or miss with the weather, but the weather's played pretty well with us this year. And right now, we're right on track where we should be, so not bad at all. Okay. Yeah, I think that we've got um, really good relationships with the uh, surrounding hospitals and departments. So we've been, you know, having classes and talking to people and visiting and just, you know, kind of keeping busy. And Are you guys pretty hopeful or excited about the like the 20 like the just industry of flight medicine yeah absolutely there's a the research that we are constantly doing um is very motivating there's always something new there's always something bigger there's always something tying it into the bigger picture so what we do really matters Mm -hmm. um i think that is very helpful and kind of keeping us going and it doesn't feel stagnant ever it doesn't feel stagnant yeah, we've got a very busy, busy summer aboard over there with all our, our PR. That's uh, all the outreach that we do to different fire departments. Yeah. We, we do mock proms. Uh, so we kind of outreach. We get out of the community a lot. So we are pretty, pretty busy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really good year. What was your guys' main motivation in coming into not even flight, but medicine? Did you like, did you guys know you wanted to fly back in the day when you first? Oh, I did. Yeah? I, yeah, I took a, a class just after I got out of medic school, uh-huh. and it was a flight class uh-huh. because I wanted to fly. And, of course, I couldn't when I when I got out because you had to work for a certain department to be able to. Uh-huh. And I always wanted to, so it's been my dream since I got into this industry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. My mom was an ER nurse for 30 years. Okay. And uh, she was up at Lutheran General, and... She would always talk about 
the flight flight crews coming mm. in how it was something that she always wanted to do and it was her dream job to to get on the helicopter and she just never did it she just never um you know she was more concerned you know with having two small children at the time and just right. being busy and going back to school herself um and i you know went into medicine because of my mom and would when i started seeing the flight crews come in i would you know it was it was awesome you could hear them landing on the hospital right, it was very exciting right. and i would follow them around i would just follow them around like a little fangirl like how do you do that how do you get that job everybody loves to see a helicopter you know yeah it right was, right right it, was, it doesn't get old and they were always very i it was always flight for life that landed okay for us and i just followed them around was like how do i do it and right. finally they were like do you just want to go on a ride along and i was like yes yes i do <laughs> and did that in 2012 and that was that was it for me did that with oh. Stu. he is he's awesome yeah yeah zach for me it was uh i think 9 11. i was okay. 11 years old at that time that happened and then as i got older wanted to do firefighting okay went down the ems route because you have to do that if you want to be a firefighter and the more i got into medicine i was like oh this is a lot more interesting than i thought um Went through, got my medic, and then I took a, a critical care class at Loyola, which is our our hospital. Shout out Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oliver. <laughs> um, and there was uh, the Lifestar crew at the time was teaching some of the classes, and that was okay. a huge impact. It's like, I want to do exactly what they're doing. Okay. So it's just been working towards that since. Okay. What was the process like um, of schooling? Were you, did, like, were you prepared coming out of it did you feel like you needed more schooling um none of us were prepared you, yeah. you, you always, never you'll never feel prepared you always need more schooling yeah. you know what i mean you yeah. never stop yeah once, once you stop you're you're pretty much putting one foot in the grave in this industry mm -hmm. so you really need to always be on top of your schooling take classes the more you learn the better you know your arsenal gets better right so you always want to be on top of that education's key right the routes are a little different like the nursing route is different than the medic route working in the hospital yeah i you know kind of you know took my sweet time doing my prerequisites for nursing school and you know had my daughter and was okay. like oh i should probably i should probably take my school a little more seriously and got through nursing school and did all that um okay. and i got a, a scholarship through where i was working and uh you know loved nursing really right. fell in love with nursing um and then when you get out, you know, I, I had worked, you know, where I had worked for, you know, four years at the time. So I got out and I was like, Psh, I don't know how to do all this stuff. I'm right. good. And I was not. And I was not. And I was very cocky. And uh, what kind of I nurse first, were you? I started in the ICU okay. and learned very quickly that once you feel comfortable, you are going to start making mistakes, big okay. mistakes. Not that that ever happened, but just that, that training of like, you need to pay attention. You need to constantly be aware and constantly learning. Um, because if you are stagnant and not being a student, you know, you're gonna be complacent. You're gonna make errors that right, are right. critical. Um, so you don't feel prepared coming out of school, but it's like a healthy fear and it's, it, it makes it so you try to do better. So you're okay. always trying to be better than the day before. Right, right, right. In this industry, it's a little bit different than working, let's say, in a hospital or even with the fire department. We have to make a lot of decisions on our own. 
you know, it, it's up to us. And we go into a hospital or if we get on a scene, you know, we're the ones making the calls. Mm -hmm. And you, you don't want to be the one making the wrong call. So you've got to be on top of your game. You know, you really do. Are there, what's the highest level of care in, in flight medicine? Is there like flight physicians? Well, are there flight physicians? There are. Right, yeah. okay. There are. But like with, with us, there's really not a hierarchy in mm -hmm. our, in our okay. career. Um, we both, you know, all of us have the same level of training. Okay. And we have the same expectations. It's not, you know, a nurse does one thing, a medic does another. Mm -hmm. We coincide. We do the same thing. Each, each of us do. Okay. There's no hierarchy in that aspect. Yeah. Interesting. You I've learned so much. Sorry, Zach. Oh, you're... I've learned a lot from, you know, picking right. their brains and how do you do it. And it's, you know, those skills are scary. So to have someone that's done it a million times is very comforting. And done, done what? Like Just intubation like, or like, what, what do you mean? Well, like Zach, Zach and Casey are both very, very strong intubators and just, you know, being in the field and, you know, IOs and decompressions and right, all these things that right, typically right. as a nurse you don't do. Right. So, you know. Did you do anything else besides ICU? Like ER nurse or? I did. You did? I okay. Did. I did ICU very briefly. Oh, and then okay, went okay. To, I did the floor and then I went back home to the emergency room and then I came here. Okay. And how many years of um, experience did you guys have before making the leap into flight medicine? You've got a ton, right? I got into paramedicine uh, 2005 is when I graduated medic school. Okay. But then I became an instructor for paramedic in 2006. Wow. And I've been teaching ever Did since. Did you feel ready to teach that early on? Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was the hands-on skills part. Okay. That to me is, that's my favorite. Yeah, I love hands-on, yeah. you know. I'm good at it. Um, and teaching it, it's easier to for me because that's, the part that I love the most. Well, you know? it's, it's our opportunity to see if the students are really understanding sure. what's being put down. Yep. You yeah. can be, you can be book smart, but yeah. then when it comes down to actually doing the thinking and doing the process of, of the skills, you know, that that's when it all comes together. Right. And you know, you can read it in a book, but you put it in front of you, you know, you may not be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So you get the chance to teach them how to put a and B together to get you to your, you know, to your skill, your mindset. Right. So yeah, there's no multiple choice when you get to these patients. No. You can you got a scenario. Read as much as you want, and you, you get four or five answers, and you you pick one of them. But on with these patients that we have, there's there's no multiple choice. No. So it's it's a lot of critical thinking, and I'd say that was probably that was probably the most challenging part for me. Mm -hmm. Was I think I'm on more of the younger side in this field. I think it was 28 when I started this. Yeah. So only had maybe five years of experience. Yeah. So it's it's tough, but learning when you are around people who are better. Yeah. It's so much fun. Oh yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. Because you just get better every day, and then you see they get better, and then you want to do better. It, uh, it's so much fun. Are flight programs pretty competitive these days? Yeah. As in getting hired or? Uh, to, so do you need to be sponsored to get into a program or how does that no. work? You no. don't. Okay. But they're smaller classes and are they, they're not always, they're not everywhere, right? Like where's. So for the layout for flight, um, and I, don't, I think nursing is the same route. There's no actual flight class. There's no class that you take and 
you know, a week, two weeks or a month that actually prepares you for it. You could take a prep course, which would be maybe three days. But as soon as you get your critical care, you get your experience, the, the flight is kind of like, okay, this is your ultimate test to see if you're competent enough. And as soon as you take that test, if you pass it, then the idea is you're, you've done enough studying on your own. You've had enough experience that you are qualified to do this. Really? Mm-hmm. And you guys align with that model? Do you guys wish there was a little more form formality? There is. So there are a lot of prerequisites before you get into flight. Okay. So they do want you to have certain experiences and a certain knowledge level. So the assessments that you go through prior to getting hired are very, very you know, they're very rigorous. Yeah, they're okay. The tests are oh, very okay, difficult. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's multiple tests. So it's like a written exam, a skills exam, and then an interview. And then you go to in-doc training for our company, and that's a two-week-long process. And it's very intensive, and it's mm. very specific to this field. But when you go to nursing school, there's not a flight nursing no. course no. or pathway to take. And that's okay because then you wouldn't get this diverse group of people coming in. Mm. Um, and that's what makes this such a awesome unique field is that you got NICU nurses you've got paramedics you got critical care transporters you got ER nurses you got ICU you got all this awesome variety and that helps you take care of the unexpected patients or the patients that you don't get very often um, so after you get your experiences where you start then they kind of focus and find and they build that common base as mm -hmm. a flight person mm -hmm. so I, I like it a lot. I felt, and it, then it really inspires you to keep learning and to, to research and be creative. Like yeah. Zach's really good at building things and Casey's an awesome teacher. And, you know, I think that every, one of the common threads, another common thread is that we all love to teach mm -hmm. and we love to learn. So there's not really a point where you're not doing that. Yeah, you're, you're always busy. Yeah. You know, you, and we like to, to kind of give back to the community in yeah. that aspect. So anytime that we can get a chance to go out and teach a class or, um, you know, teach classes, we go to fire departments and we do classes with them as well. And they like to see it because we're on the forefront of the medical field. You right. know, the flight is usually we're ahead a little bit in what we do than, than most fire departments, things like that. So yeah. when we can go in and show them tricks and skills that we have and how they can incorporate that into their world, they're amazed by it. You know, they love it, but you know, our, our industry is, is very, it's based on a lot of studies, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they get like what we do and how we treat people. You know, they get this from study after study after study, and then they introduce it to us, and then we use it, find out that, you know, the outcome is so much better, so we kind of hand that down to yeah. other people as just an option for them. Yeah. yeah everything we do is all evidence-based. Like, all the books we have over there, they're all evidence-based. Right. So nothing we do is anecdotal. Not, oh, it worked for me, it'll work for you. We. Or this is how or, it's always yeah. been done. I, I hate the that death, death that is, of medicine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've always done it this way. Well, nope. You no. can say you've always done it this way. You may have been doing it that way wrong the entire time you've been doing it. <laughs> so that's the way I look at it. But it's it's nice too. 
case you're saying about uh, going to do outreach programs to fire departments, it, it doesn't really benefit us with that patient. It benefits that patient with them. Oh, so yeah. any kind of knowledge or any skills or tips and tricks we can pass along to them, then they can do better care for their patient, which is ultimately why we're all here. Right. So. Right, right. Um, how did you guys, or I guess with, with Lifestar, what's the ratio between emergency calls and interfacility transports? I would say it's probably around 80-20. Okay. That sounds right. You know, 80-20 would be about, right, 80 interfacility, sure. 20 scene calls. Change okay. a little bit in the summer, though. Yeah. And in the summer, you get more, you know, people are out, they're on their motorcycles, right, they're, right. you know, so you get a little bit more then, but... Right, so more traumas for on scene, and then more medic, like time sensitive medical issues for, I guess both. Right, we we do, yeah, yeah. yeah. we a do lot a lot of trauma, trauma in our facility as well. Okay, okay, you know because we've got a lot of outlying areas that their closest hospital like, is just a level two trauma. Indiana where, doesn't have. We've got two right, trauma one right, centers. They're one, both okay. in Indianapolis. Yep. Okay, okay. So you know we'll fly to Indiana and take them you know, Chicago, somewhere, one of the level ones there, yeah. or down to Indianapolis. We've done that before, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. How uh, how long are your shifts? Are they 24s? Or Medical they... crews, 24. Okay. 24 hour, you do two shifts yeah, a week. There's and... a firehouse vibe going. Yeah, going it, on that, right there really is like that. Okay. It's our second home. Yeah. Second home, I, I feel it. Um, do you guys have side hustles or side gigs, or do you feel like this is un, like this is it this is the career this is your main job yeah this this supersedes anything else you do on the side right or you want to do but a lot of us do have you know teaching or something else that we do on the side just to again you know you work two days a week here that's a lot of time on your hands so yeah. why sit idle when you can be out and you know learning more teaching you know things like that so yeah it, i i can you just enlighten, like, share it? Because if you do a quick Google search, medic, like, flight medics don't make a lot of money. I won't. Not, I mean, not. not I won't confirm nor deny. Doesn't have to be number-wise. <laughs> but do you, do you feel yeah. like you can make you, you can make a living from, from doing this? Um, You can, but everybody wants a better living. And if you've got five days off in a week and you're only working two, why not give yourself that opportunity to to make that better living and do something on the side. Yeah. That I, makes sense. I agree. It, it does. So we talked about Cicero earlier. I, I have a soft spot for Cicero. I do. Right. I, I couldn't keep up with it because it was actually more expensive to hire a dog walker than be at the firehouse. Correct. I have two dogs. So it's like, it adds right. up real quick. Um, and so I, I missed the ambulance, but I couldn't justify it at, at the time. You know what? That's where the, the passion for the career comes in because I, I hear you. you you tend to find out you'll make you know you'll make it work no matter what you have to do you know I, if you love being the, here there are a lot so many good medics that probably pull 60 70 hour work weeks just to make it work i know it's insane it so is. it's time time away from their family time away from their loved ones time away from their dogs if they have dogs right, right? Mm -hmm. um important and it, yes. it just in my head it doesn't make sense to need to work overtime just to make ends meet even if you're that passionate about it if you're just starting out you know it, it'll it'll work out but when, right. when you're five ten years into it i don't know yeah. and there are people like that and kudos to them 
Well, I, I will say on the fire side with that, yeah. that's when you, you know, five years in, you climb the ladder to right, lieutenant, right. you go to captain, you know, right. and as you're climbing the ladder, of course, your pay grade goes up. So it works out and your retirement, things like that, yeah. you know, it works out in your benefit, but we really don't have that kind of. So has it taken a toll on your personal lives being away for 24 hours at a time? No, actually to an extent, sometimes it's kind of nice to, to get out. If you have any kind of personal problems that are going on at home, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually nice to come into work. You obviously leave all your problems at the front door, mm-hmm. but you're, we're very tight. We're very close here. So it's, it's like going to a second home. Yeah, it's 24 hours, but we can pretty much do anything here that we do at home. And I think we'd rather get the, our time at work you know, I'd rather come in two 24 hour shifts mm-hmm. and not have to drive back and forth, you know, nine to five every day. Right. So couldn't do it. Yeah. I feel like I, I have more time that it's enhanced my abilities to when you're off, you're really off. Well, that when I'm it's yeah. I mean, when I'm off, I'm off, but I'm now I have the time to be at my daughter's school to right. volunteer for those activities to, you know, do all the things that I want to do, but even here, it is such a family atmosphere that right. you know if someone wants to drop you off some dinner and say hi, they can do that. You know, right. if my daughter is going to come in for her first day of school, you know, or I can take a picture with her still. So right. you can still visit and say hi. I mean, and then you're you're here at work, and then it is like a second family. So I don't feel like my life has been hindered by 24 okay. hours. It's just been enhanced and you're not working every holidays they're more evenly dispersed and you're not working every other weekend or whatever it's it's spread out so it's it's a nice distribution right and we can always make arrangements with our crew members you know if something comes up and one of us needs to be somewhere and we'll try to work it out amongst us where we'll do swaps you know with each other that way you can go to your your child's, you know, if they're doing a performance or whatever, you can go and have that time. And so it works pretty well. I mean, honestly, I I, I would not change ship work. I'd rather work ship work than anything else. Hmm. Yeah, and it works really well just because, like Zach's let my dogs out before. Oh, okay, you know, cool. like we take care of each other. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good segue into what do you think makes good team dynamics? Because, because as as you know on an ambulance you're stuck for someone maybe for eight to 12 hours sometimes 24 right if you're on a 24 you're probably in a firehouse so there's some like space to like go do your own thing but if you start out on the privates where most people start you're kind of stuck in that ambulance for that sure. time right so and you're not expected to be best friends with each other for that time nope. but exactly like but how do you <laughs> any, any advice for fresh um emts or emt students um to to cultivate that you know effective team dynamics as far as when you first start if you yeah the the best thing i could say is when you when you first start off as an emt you're you're a baby when you get your medic you are still a baby so you just have to continuously practice and and get better uh there's gonna be time especially on the privates because i've worked the privates for a very long time things might not look ideal um but those patients, if you, you know, guys in the privates are doing dialysis transfers and maybe calls that aren't as exciting, those are, are opportunities to 
enhance your skills and get better. It might not seem like it. It might seem we're in our ninth dialysis call today. Mm-hmm. It's your ninth chance to get better at your blood pressures. Yeah. So every every call you're doing, you have to take a little bit out of that and say, oh, what good can I make of this? Right. Because if you don't, you just you're you're not going to progress. Right. And you got to understand when you're working with somebody else, like you said, you're stuck with them for eight, ten hours. You gotta you've got to learn. There's give and take. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be considerate to your partner. You know, you don't want to be the one that's a messy one, always leaving your stuff around or, or whatnot, you know, and, and you've got to you've got to respect them if you want that respect back. Right. And I think once you give that respect, you start to get that respect and it makes it a lot easier working with somebody. Yeah. You know, we've got a great dynamic here. So, I mean, yeah, it's palpable. I, yeah. I, I can't Aww. complain with the people I work with. You know, we, we all work well together. Um, you're not with the same partner all the time so you know i could be with any one of these guys on any given day mm-hmm. and it's great that i can come to work and not be like oh boy so and so's work and i don't want to go in today mm-hmm. you know we don't have that here mm-hmm. how many Which, guys i'm sorry no go ahead uh, how many guys were on cicero when you were on shift uh, in, the house? S- in so there's three houses um in each house maybe nine nine you had what 12 or 15 down in florida um, our department had five houses. And how many was in each house? You had anywhere from five to 12. We you know, three here. It's nurse, medic, oh, yeah. and a pilot. <laughs> yeah. And the mechanic. And then the mechanic. And the mechanic. <laughs> yes. Just the mechanics. Shout are, out. Mechanics. mechanics are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. They're phenomenal. But at three people here in this, it, there's a lot of space to have your free time, do whatever you need to get done. And we all respect that of each other. Yeah. I think hard work and respect go a very long way here. Um, When you first start, you are, you know, you're at the table and you're reading your books and Mm -hmm. you're showing that you're serious about your job Mm. and that you are grateful to be there. Some do. Oh. (laughs) The winners. (laughs) Um, So there's no such thing as overachieving. No, there's not. There really isn't. No, you you work hard. You show that you want to be there, that you're grateful. humble that you're humble and you're willing to learn but on the flip side you want to educate and be kind and give open honest feedback it's not you know cruel and it's not judgmental and it's not mean because you don't learn that way we don't eat our young here um we want you to do well and something that liesel our base supervisor said was that she will put in you know, what we're putting back, you know, and she's going to help us be successful and she's going to help us be our best selves, but we have to bring our best selves to the table. Mm. Um, and so you do that every single day. You're going to be amazed by your progress in a year. I was scared of my own shadow when oh. I started here. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, the, the deeper down you scary, go through a topic or an industry, the more you realize you don't know anything. Well, mm-hmm. you still don't. Your, yeah, you still don't. <laughs> your first year here, you won't know. Yeah. You really don't. You don't get that comfort level to where you feel like you know what you're doing. That first year, you're you're kind of, you know, a lot of stuff's new to you. A lot of stuff is different. You're not, you know, you don't feel 100% on your game. You know, and you never want to feel totally comfortable because then something sooner or later is going to come along and bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't want that. So you always got to be... You know, you can never feel relaxed. Right. And 
if you do, you're going to get bit. Yeah. And you're with a, a senior crew member to okay. make sure that you're safe. Yeah. So there is a healthy fear, but there's also somebody there to make sure that, you know, they're, they're guiding you, that they're yeah. mentoring you. So, yeah, some, some of the, um, privates are experiencing, uh, their veteran medics leaving for other opportunities. And they find that, that the fresh medics are training fresh grads, right. like, you know, so yeah. it's, I'm glad to see that in the, in, in flight medicine, but it's crazy what's the what the field's turning into like in our right. class in the emt class the majority of our students are doing it to gain insight into healthcare, to use it to reinforce their thinking that they want to be, become physicians or nurses or pas right. they're not necessarily doing it because they want to be career firefighters or emts or paramedics handful are but we're we yeah it's they're mainly doing it it's just a stepping gain. stone it's a stepping stone right. i tell them there's a there's a good way to say it and a condescending way to say sure. it um and they all get that but yeah most of them are not using it as a career well i mean paramedics in general i think are very underpaid for what they do mm -hmm. um and that might be a reason why they are doing that yeah instead of looking at it as a career right so yeah it's it's a big problem in EMS, and it, it's our own doing, is we have people who are training others who don't have adequate training to teach mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. You just come out of your EMT class, you, you should be with a veteran, or you should be with someone who has some experience. And I don't know how it is in nursing, firefighting, police, it's, it's the same. It's, you're on uh, probation for a year. In EMS, especially in the privates, as soon as you get your medic license, it's here's your, here's your license to go play. That's all it is. And that's another thing with EMS. Um, you can go to EMT school, graduate that, mm -hmm. turn around the next month and go into a medic class and go through paramedic. And now you're a medic and never had but a day yeah, in the yeah, field. Exactly. So, you know, the, there really needs to be, you know, you should be an EMT for a year before you go on to become a medic because, you know, it, it's only going to serve you better in the field because now you're a brand new medic that went through EMT into medic. Now you're released out on a truck and it's your responsibility, but you don't know what you're doing except for what you were taught in school. That's a little bit scary, you know, and that'd be mm. scary for me if somebody was to come to my house right, and try to try to work with me and they've never spent time in the field, but they're a paramedic. That's scary. So what do you think um, the, education so is it is it an education problem should we should we extend the time that one is how much time you got to talk about this yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well okay okay so what do you what do you think what do you think will even more like further legitimize the industry what do you think will attract people to you like want to come to this field because it's an exciting industry but it's there's parts of it that are not enough to keep someone into the the field as in flight in general mm, it could be EMS, EMS in general like like how do we increase our pay uh, that's a good question yeah. honestly if you found that answer I'd love to hear it <laughs> you know it's yeah. our education standards needs to increase a little bit because um, for I, nursing I've, prereqs it's or nursing you take a microbiology you take a pathophysiology right, you take right. anatomy all these these classes there are a lot of medics that are going to nursing school and 
the thought is I'll go to nursing school and I'll, I'll make more money. You're also going to get a lot more education as well. Yeah. So I think our education just from the base needs to improve significantly. So would you put like a, like make it an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree? What courses would, do you think we would benefit from as a medic? I think making medic and associates wouldn't be a bad, okay. that wouldn't be a bad idea. Okay. I mean, they do have an associates in EMS. Um, yeah. you, you can get that degree, but you don't have to, to become a medic. And no. I think that should be one of the steps, you know, to become a medic, you should have to have a degree. And then once it becomes a degree, you know, certification, I think then the money would follow. Right. You know what I mean? Because it, now yeah. you've got the schooling, you've, you've put yourself in the time right. and, and everything. And you're showing that you really want that to go on and get your degree in that. Right. And in addition to that, I don't, it's not until employers create an incentive to have that degree. Correct. Right. So if fire departments are like, you don't need a degree, yeah. come on through, you know, maybe if there were preference points or there was a mandatory, you know, right. necessity for a degree. Well, with the fire department mm -hmm. to become an officer, you have to have a degree. Mm. So that's where for them, that's where that incentive comes in. You know, they, they do give a lot of departments will give, if you're a firefighter EMT, they give you, you know, a $5,000 a year incentive to become a medic where yeah. that's your pay step actually. Right. And then to move on from that, if you have a degree, you can move on. So. Right. Hmm. Do you guys remember your first day as a flight nurse or a flight medic? It's like ingrained and, and yeah. Can you share? You go first. <laughs> yeah. you, go right. you go first. Come on. I don't remember. You lie. <laughs> um, my very first shift, um, I was, I think, well, it was, uh, a, good Lord, I, I don't remember where we went, but getting in the air, getting the call and getting mm -hmm. permission to fly. Mm -hmm. Like, can I go on this one? And I got a yes. And like the, it was like a Saturday Night Live moment where you're like, yes. <laughs> And she did that too. I did yeah. do that. I did actually do that. And yeah, it was super nice. And then she put a helmet on backwards. And then I put <laughs> <laughs> it did need to be shut up. <laughs> I buckled my helmet and I buckled my seatbelts all by myself. And that is all that was required on your first actually, observational yeah. flight. Oh, no, you're right. If, if, you can do that, if, if you can do that, that on your first on. flight, you are golden. Get your belts in and you're good to go on your first day. <laughs> See, we don't, when you get into the, to flying we don't you're not you know hired and then boom you're out on a call your first day okay alone you are a third rider okay and you're a third rider for x amount of calls and x amount of period of time until the crew deems you ready to fly sure mm -hmm. and then you go and you test out you have to do a sim lab okay. and it's it's not just one simulation it's it's four of them you've got to pass them all and then they kind of give you the blessing and, and you're ready to fly. Yeah. So then after that, you become second seat okay. where it's you and your partner. But so for those first few, you know, you can stumble through it a little bit because you've got two people there that are watching over you yeah. and they're doing patient care. You're just kind of getting used to how it flows and getting your yeah. feet wet. Yeah. So. You lose all. I lost what I call my nursing grace where you go into a room and you can just bloop, 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 Be the commanding. monitors yeah, and, yeah. you know, do all the things yeah. that you, in, 
this you don't have that the machines the pumps work differently the drawing everything is different the tubing is different so you know what you want to do but not being able to do it as fast as you once did before it mm. can be very frustrating mm -hmm. um, and discouraging mm -hmm. so that was a big reality check for me was seeing my preceptor work and that teammate you know it was Casey and um, seeing them interact and work together was it was awesome mm. it was like all right my turn and when it was my turn to you know be on the bench it was like hitting speed bumps you know going down a sure. bumpy road and just it was you get done and you're tired and you're like what the heck you know but it gets a little bit better and you learn to be more prepared she still hits those speed bumps though you're gonna be a speed bump in a minute <laughs> Zach, do you uh, do you recall your your first flight? I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I was with you. Um. Yeah, with you and Carrie. Yeah. Uh, we had taken a really bad motor vehicle collision from Indiana back to Chicago, and as soon as I got, I was like, I'm gonna show them I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna show them that I'm I'm competent, and that they hired me for a reason. And I got in and started going through my stuff, and I'm like going at I thought a pretty good pace, and all of a sudden these two are about. 25 steps ahead of me i'm like oh, okay hold on wait 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 hold on i missed that though I, they already got it okay well i checked that i, I already got it okay huh. um and then that was probably the best learning experience because the patient started to deteriorate right in front of us um and it got to the point where she actually did go into cardiac arrest we ended up getting her back in the elevator at the hospital so that was Pretty interesting. Okay. Pretty, pretty good first flight. Wow. Yeah, that's eventful. It was is, fun. is there anything after the first few flights you wish you would have learned in school? I would have more skills. I feel like skills in school. I guess not are not just in, in school, but in your time leading up to flight. You know, your flight um, career. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, things for, for the people that are thinking about flight medicine, what should they Being be? Being prepared is ex extremely important. Yeah. Um, setting yourself up, giving yourself tools to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and they will passively, I feel, say, be prepared, you know. Right. But, you know, knowing your acronyms and going through your checklists that you have in your head aren't sufficient. And so when you get in that stressful situation, you, it goes out the window yeah. and you get that tunnel vision and you, you don't, you're not able to step back and see the whole picture. Right. Um, and it doesn't slow down like a stressful, like it needs to, it needs to kind of, the big picture needs to slow down when we get that tunnel vision, everything speeds up right. and becomes chaotic. Um, and that's something that you don't learn in school. That's something that you learn on the scene or you learn in the field. Um, so I wish that there was a way to recreate that feeling. Yeah. Um, something that we do here in orientation is we recreate scenes. So they'll, or, you know, uh, scenarios. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. turning off, bringing the aircraft out and having the, you know, pilot started up, you know, and having that noise and having that, mm. you know, that So it's just pressure. second nature. So, and you have a mannequin and you have to drop your meds and drop, and we have a lot of, ways to practice um, that I think is very, very helpful. But more of that, more of those scenarios. Right. 
instead of the book. There's no MacGyver 101 in college. There's not. Ooh. We do that pretty pretty well. We improvise a lot. Yeah. Because things don't always run smooth. We, we constantly improvise. From a medic standpoint, coming into air medical, um, what they teach you in, in paramedicine, yeah. you need to know a lot more in this field, mm -hmm. you know, labs, lab values, things like that, um, disease processes, um, because it's, you're picking up people who are pretty much critical mm -hmm. every time, you know, these people got a lot going on mm -hmm. and you have to kind of have an understanding of what's going on with them and where they're going to go from that point. Yeah. It's not, you're just picking up somebody who, you know, tripped and fell and you're just giving them a ride to the hospital. These yeah. people, they've got something serious going on right? and you need to have an understanding. And if you don't, you come back and you get on the computer and read about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you do. Yeah. No picture, no patients going to follow that one scenario, that one. Yeah. It's not going to be an ACLS one, protocol. Yeah. No, it's going yeah. to be like that branching off and you have to be fluid and ready to go in multiple directions. Right. And, and when we're going somewhere, we get very little information what we're getting. Okay. So it's like a 16, 16 year old male, you know, car accident, maybe, a, maybe a weight. That's it. Yeah. And you have to start going down to so start from the basics. What would be your doses for everything? What would your vent settings be? What could be going on? What things do we need to consider? Blood, pelvis, you know, stuff like that. So pre-flight as much as we can and planning again. Right. And being ready to, to go down those different You've got avenues. five to ten minutes to make a game plan of what you're going to do without even seeing what game you're going to be playing. You're just trying to pre-plan and have an while, idea. While riding that fine line of not getting tunnel vision. Exactly. Yes. Right. right. Yes. Exactly. Lisa's over here. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to give her the headset in a minute. <laughs> they, don't, they don't call us for anything easy. If they're calling us, it's because something that they don't have the resources or it's something that they can't handle. And they need us to make sure that from the time this patient goes from their facility to another, that they are stable enough. And our end goal is essentially pick them up and leave them better than when we found them. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Who are you? My name is Liesl. I am uh, the base supervisor here at the Lifestar Base. I've been flying here for about four years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Um, the, the next question was, do you feel like there's anything that you wish you could do, um, up in the air? Are there, do you feel like there are any limitations? The biggest limitation for us is the size of the area mm. we get to work in. I mean, there's a lot we can do, but we're also limited by the size of the area we have. That right. aircraft's very small. Once you right. get the equipment, get your patient in. So, I mean, it'd be great if we had a, a big operating room that we could work on somebody, but, you know, that's just one of those things. We don't have the room, and that, that makes it a little bit tough sometimes, but we do well with it. Hmm. And we are actually spoiled that we have one of the biggest aircrafts. We do. Oh, really? We do. We're air medical, <laughs> so we're spoiled that... And, and, you know, not long ago, we got it to where now we carry blood. Which yeah. That is yeah. a huge, huge difference. And How we often use are you guys it, using that? We use it quite often. What's, quite the, often. what's the expiration date, though? Like, how long is it good for before it goes bad? 
it gets rotated out every three weeks. Three weeks. So we have a partnership with the Red Cross that every three weeks they come and switch it out, and the blood is still good for another, I believe, two weeks. Oh, after okay, they okay. Turn it, and then it's sent to a hospital. So it's, nev- it's never wasted. Okay. Um, is there anything cutting edge or on the cusp that you guys are looking forward to, like in flight medicine? Hmm. We just had one of our nurses go out and teach uh, a class in Cincinnati and we would like to start implementing uh, ECMO which is a wow pretty invasive is there, ro- starting, is there room for that starting, not starting continuing yeah you guys do balloon pumps and <laughs> <laughs> correct right okay yeah, we can do balloon pumps already right right is there a, there's right. side there's room for ECMO there is mm-hmm. there That's is insane yeah wow um so what I mean is there anything is there what's different about being besides the size um, being up in the air rather than being in a ground ambulance. I'd say the the noise, the, noise the vibration, is huge. The vibration's probably the so biggest. How are, how are well, like taking lung sounds? You don't. You don't. You don't. Oh, you don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. But we 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 use our tools that we have. So if we have someone who's intubated, we obviously can't take off our helmet. We can't listen. But we have certain medicine. Okay. Okay. Look at a plateau pressure and see if right. it's increasing. They might be having a pneumo. So we we use all the tools that we have at our disposal. That's why people people don't understand on scene calls. We want to get in the back of an ambulance for a few minutes. That way we can listen to lung sounds, do a few oh. of the things that we need to get done. That's easier to do there, just for room's sake and for the the audible the noise and then we'll get in the aircraft and and go from there yeah but it just it makes it a lot easier for us so yeah um when you guys were thinking about employment were you looking at other other companies like what helped you decide lifestar this was a the first helicopter that i actually went and uh, you know looked at and applied with the company it's one of you know, it is pretty much the biggest company in the in the nation for Air Medical. Okay. Great company to work for. Or I guess another question is, how do you how did you guys decide between helicopter and fixed wing? Hmm. Can I ask Lisa because she's done both. She's, oh, she's done both. cool. Yeah, she's done both. <laughs> they're two totally different. They're yeah two different animals completely. Okay. Um, and both are awesome. Both are very rewarding. Just very different. Okay. And fixed wings all all in our facility. Yes. Okay. Yes, for the most part, in this area it is um, out in some rural areas. Sure. Like they can do scene calls with the fixed wing, but not in this area. Sure. And and what made you want to transition? Um, just a change. Just, just a change, yeah, okay. just a change. Hmm. I mean, is were you not being challenged enough, or? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, like I said, they're just two different evils. Where. Yeah. Um, Getting to do the scene calls, having the shorter um, ETAs places, having the shorter oh, okay, transports. Okay. Um, you have to do a lot in a short amount of time on the helicopter where on the airplane you have different challenges. You have the altitude at 40,000 feet. That is, a, that is a totally different challenge. And not being able to divert to another hospital very quickly mm. um, and having to... Serious language barriers. And yes. Because you're going very that, that much unsafe for, countries as well. Yes. Countries. You're yes. like leaving the oh, country. No, she's she's, she's, she's uh-huh. a traveler. Ron's on the phone. He's just got a call. So, so you might need like pass, you passports and all that. Sure. Oh, okay. Oh, you're working with Liesl. I don't know. Wrong person. Okay. Our team's just now getting a flight. So oh. two of our people are going to be oh, exiting. Oh, for sure. 
Sure, sure, sure. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh, we got another scene call. So is it more than standby or? Is it a launch or a standby? Interesting. Oh, cool. No, it's a launch. Fun. Be going. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with, with that, your patients are typically sedated and they're not a... Oh, sometimes. 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 Same. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Thank you very much. Be safe. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Be safe. Um, and so this isn't a knock on Lifestar Air Methods or anything. More so, it could be a knock on policymakers. Um, the cost the cost of a flight for a patient, they they usually insurance or I mean, I'm not going to maybe insurance companies and Medicare, Medicaid. Okay. And they they don't cover a, a great, not even half of the cost. And that's something that they've been working towards a lot more um, recently. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that's kind of out of our realm. Yeah. That's more on the, the business know. side, you know. Um, the way I look at it is basically these people need these flights. If they don't get these flights, survivability is very low. Yeah. The insurance no. side, I don't understand it that well. You I don't. I don't. Know. <laughs> it's not okay. our, we don't understand it. <laughs> right. What I can say is you're probably referring to every often, every so often you hear someone who say, I got a $50,000 bill. Right. 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 It, it has happened before. Um, but I think it's very uncommon. Uh, there's a lot of times where people don't realize that we are not not wasting money, but we're getting nothing in return. So if we lift from here, let's say, and they go en route to uh, the scene and it gets canceled and they, they come back. So the fuel they just wasted, any kind of maintenance that has to go on. So the, those are costs that we eat. Mm. Right. So there are also times where, if, you know, they have a scene flight let's say they rendezvous at the hospital they get to the hospital and there's uh, a really crazy weather change or whatever the case may be where they have to go by ground right we will take them by ground we don't abandon right. them oh we'll okay, go with okay. that's our patient right right so at that point i i could be wrong but i don't think we build them for the helicopter because you're not going right it's not a, it's not a it's helicopter transport oh. but we still we we take the time and we do you know if, if we get a cardiac arrest yeah and it's a scene call we land get in the back of the ambulance and this is a cardiac arrest we can't do um we can't work a cardiac arrest as effective in the aircraft as we can in the ambulance so we'll just say drive just drive and we're gonna stay with you guys and that's so nice of you care. guys. Because, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's something that they could probably handle themselves as well. They probably could, but we're a higher level of care. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you um, got a yeah, nurse. just sort of hands, yeah. too. Right. For sure. I mean, For if, sure. If they get to the hospital, it, if it is a code, they get to the hospital, the hospital gets ROSC. If, you know, the time frame being, if we can get them into our helicopter and take them from that facility to the next, then there you go. Yeah. That's interesting. So you don't have, like, the mentality or the protocol, like, oh, there might be another patient that needs flight medicine instead. No. Um, That's really I cool. I mean, if, if we're working with the yeah, patient, patient they need us. You know, yeah. they need us just as much as the next one. There are other helicopters that they can call. Right. You know, that'll, that'll get there. And another thing that people don't realize we do, um, we'll do search and rescues for fire departments. Oh, okay. Um, we actually had one recently right here in, in Morris. And gentleman got in a car accident and was walking on the side of the road in the middle of the night 
Um, he was found, said he had a buddy with him, and that he had crashed his car, but there was no car around. Yeah. So they called us out to help look for the other person. And as we were flying over, we had night vision goggles. So we were able to locate his car, which happened to be in between a golf course and a cornfield. Mm -hmm. You would have never seen it from the road. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we were able to guide them to the car. They could check it, make sure there was nobody else involved. Mm -hmm. And um, found out that there wasn't another person. But, you know, it was just, and that's, again, that's one of those things that we do. And we don't, we don't bill anybody for that. We, mm. we take our time, we take our fuel and, you know. We, it's all in the best interest of the patient. Sure, sure. Damn. Just like doing our, when we go do PRs, when we go teach yeah. classes, that's all, you know, we eat that. We just, it's, it's what we like to do. Mm. It's what our company likes to do. So we go and teach classes and it's, it's no cost to them. Yeah. It just betters the industry. If, do you know anyone, I mean, do you guys have any plans to, to maybe leave flight medicine ever or know someone that has, like, where have they gone? Um, if they were to transition, I mean, we've known people that have gone to, um, hospital based, oh, okay. you know, they've gone to become like an EMS coordinator at a hospital. Mm. Um, you know, some have gone who had gotten hired full-time fire and they had wanted to make a choice and for their family situation it was better for them to go the fire route is it possible to maintain like a part-time status here mm. or it's preferred full-time you, you can be i yeah. mean there are you know part-time positions yeah. um our base doesn't have anybody here that's part-time but there are uh part-time people Dave. well we do dave is actually i take that back we have one he's working part-time gotcha I always consider him a full staff member. <laughs> yeah, I think probably the most common. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most common, I would say, for the medics is to go back to school and go to nursing. Yeah. Um, for the nurses, I, I don't really know. Just wanting to know what if someone was to leave. Where they would go, like if you were to leave, like you you flight. have this skill set now. Where where can you take it if you were to transition? AutoZone, you can't <laughs> you can't fix a carburetor. <laughs> can you? NP school, okay. Yeah. Teaching. Yeah. There's all sorts. There's all sorts of avenues. Equipment. You could like sell equipment, sell drugs. You could. Pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals. Right, 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 right. right. Oh. Uh, the legal drug dealer, yeah. yeah. Yes. Are you sure? You don't want to come back? With with this field too, there's if you don't if you don't leave, there's there are plenty of things to do inside of it. So if you put in enough time you can ask for um any kind of training position, training admin. If you want to do your own research or your own kind of study or literature, you can do that. We have all the resources we need. That's one of the coolest benefits here is anything that we you're on the cutting edge. Yeah, we have at our disposal, and it's all at the the newest information that's found. And we're very supportive of growth. Right. You know, if you want to do something to be to better your career, right, or to advance, they will help you with that. It's just nice when you have a company that backs you up like that. It is. Um, it is. Have you guys learned anything from your patients? Any of the patients that you've had? Yes. Learn a lot from patients. Yes. A lot. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of hard lessons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
one of the biggest ones is you're not holier than now. You know what I mean? Can you can you elaborate? Well, you know, sometimes like I mean, are you talking, like remaining present? Like this is all we have now, like right now, here and now. No, I just mean you're not better than anybody. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And sometimes people tend to get the mindset of they are where I've learned from a lot of patients. It's like I've had some really cool patients, some great patients, and I've had people that they really humble you, mm. you know, they, they really do. They just, is, is it something they said or what no, was it? Not so much something they said. It's just the person themselves. You, you get to talking to them and the things that they go through and, the things that they're dealing with and how they're dealing with it and and how know, well composed they've, they've got are. a list a mile long yeah. of medical problems and conditions that they have right yet they've got a big smile on their face right you know what i mean right and you're just like wow this person's going through all this and they're able to smile and you can get mad about the littlest things and act like that's the whole world and it's like it's not you know there's a lot more out there hmm. i think that one of the greatest lessons I've learned is you can't be judge and jury that mm. you're not going to see why or how something happened um kid gets getting hit hit by a car mm-hmm. and people are like why weren't they watching that kid or they should know better you know how could that kid have drowned in a pool you yeah know, like, stuff like that and you don't see that here because there's really no time to yeah because no. well and it, you can't act like you know all the details of the story right you know or that it really matters because you still have to no matter what do what you're there to do but you know take a step back and realize that you you don't know the whole story Mm -hmm. and there's two sides and there's multiple multiple sides we treat Um, every person the same it doesn't matter who you are you know you could be the president you could be somebody who's living on the side of a road mm-hmm. you're going to get the same treatment from us and we're going to look at you the same we're going to do everything identical you know so yeah. and that that's something that for some people may take a little bit to learn but yeah. you know you wouldn't be a good clinician if you didn't mm-hmm. yeah. accidents happen and they happen to good people they yeah happen to everybody and they're going to happen to you um so to have somebody that can, you know, take that step back, not be judgmental, and still provide that care, you know, that's, again, another common theme, something yeah. that you learn from every patient. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes those patients are really easy. And sometimes it's really challenging. The situation can be very challenging. Right, right, right. Um, have you guys, how do you guys deal with, if you do, take what you go through during shift back home? you know, taking the work home. It's hard not to sometimes. Um, I try not to. Yeah. I try not to take it home yeah. if possible. How do you guys find um, yourselves de-stressing? Right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. The mm-hmm. talking to each other, these are, they know what you go through. They mm-hmm. deal with the same thing you deal with and they understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you try to de-stress with somebody who doesn't understand what you're trying to um, talk to them about, they're not familiar with that. They don't know that kind of feeling mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to give you advice. You know, it's great. They'll, you know, I can go home and talk to my wife and she lets me, you know, say whatever I have to say. Mm-hmm. But when you can talk to somebody who's been in that same situation as you, it's easier to have that conversation and you can, you can pretty much de-stress a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's critical to have, that group of people around you because it could be three o'clock in the morning 
you know, Aaron and I could get a bad flight and I could call Liesl and talk to her at three in the morning and she's not going to be upset about it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a good thing. I could call Zach. So yeah. it, it's just one mm -hmm. of those things where, you know, we've kind of got that family built in here and that that's really important that you can be that way with the coworkers that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. PTSD in this field is very real. Um, it's, it's very, very real and it has effects, you know, it has a lot of negative effects. Um, no, she's oh, like, so. like, and burnout as well. Burnout. Yeah. But I mean, it, to say that you don't go home with this stuff is unrealistic. It's, yeah. it's not being honest, right. I think with yourself. Um, and there are some very unhealthy mechanisms of coping that mm -hmm. are easily adoptable. Mm -hmm. Um, but to make an effort to health, healthfully um, cope with those, you know, things that have happened and things that you've seen are very, very important because those negative habits can be very easy to turn to. Right. Um, so we do have an awesome environment here that you can talk about what happened, mm -hmm. no matter how many times you need to. Or if you're not ready to, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different programs within the company, you know, anonymous reporting, you know, mm, things like that. Um, right. But then, you know, we, I have a very supportive home life as well. Sure. You know, going home, my fiance knows, even yeah. my daughter, you know, right. there's days where you're like, I, I just need to sleep. That's, that's what I'm doing for a little bit. Um, you know, having a very supportive home life is, is very helpful. So we we did have a very difficult call, and I couldn't put it into words how how crippling it was. Right. And we just went on a motorcycle ride, and I just remember being on the back of the motorcycle and just crying. Just wow. Like, no. It's impossible to take or to not take some of this home. Right. Uh, because even if you walk out this door, and you leave everything here, uh, we have a tendency to show up on social media, the news. Mm -hmm. It happens very frequently. So there's times where I get texts. I'm sure everyone else gets texts. Hey, were you, did you see what just happened? Like, gotcha. I have no idea what you're talking about. Not even at work. Yeah. And then you can go online and you'll find hundreds of people posting about something. Yeah. Hmm. So even when you're not home and you're trying to kind of de-stress it, sometimes it just comes up. Yeah. One of the nice things that our company does for us is let's say we do have a bad call. Mm -hmm. They will let us take a time out while we're here to you know kind of get yourself together you know get back to where you need to be and then you know put yourself back in service and go so oh. you know if if you had to take that hour break to de-stress or to just talk to each other about what happened on that call yeah and try to work through it you can do that and then Go back in service. That's something you don't hear about. It. I mean, you can't really do that no, at, at a fire department or private it's, ambulance. It's important. I mean, you don't want to take advantage of that. Of For course, sure. Yeah. But if you do have that, you know, pediatrics are one of the one of the worst. Okay. You know, it's not their time to die. Right. Or they shouldn't right. be dying. Right. And when when that happens, you know, it, it can tend to put you in a really bad mindset. Yeah. I wouldn't want somebody out there trying to work if their mind wasn't in it, especially in this career. Right. You know, you, you can't be thinking about something else when you're trying to, to do something that's very critical. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that our company allows us to do that if we need it. And there's, there's no questions asked mm -hmm. and they will actually call, 
you to see how you're doing after. Yeah, there's which no is judgment. Great. Right. No judgment, there's no judgment yeah. at all. Yep. Um, is there a patient that has like a that has stuck out in your mind? A profound patient? I think I think everybody has one. I don't think any of us like to elaborate on them. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Sure. sure it's just sure. we all have our own yeah. patients that have haunted us per se and I, it doesn't and I have to be a bad patient mean, it's, yeah no, you know, i'm just sure we all have ones that we remember yeah but i honestly i think for me it's better off not to elaborate i prefer you know i like to keep that for me okay a know? lot of the stuff that we do is very public too so i don't know how much oh. we can elaborate on sure. some right. of the stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah we yeah. all have calls that really stand out to us what what has being around um not that everyone dies but like what has being around death like exposed for you? Mm. I was always a morbid child. I was all in this field because we were morbid. Yeah. But, um, I don't think many of us were out picking flowers on Sunday and we were doing something else. <laughs> I have a tattoo of a Grim Reaper on my arm. All right. Okay. I, I will say that in this field you find out very quick that dead people aren't necessarily old people. Yeah. And that, that I think something hard to grasp, you know, cause you think of somebody dying, you're like, Oh, well, what were they? 85, 90, you know? And it's like, no, they were 17 or no, they were. So you, you know, that's something with death that you kind of learn to get used to. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I think we've all learned that it can happen to any, any one of us at any given time. So, so maybe, yeah. Yes, mom. I think, <laughs> <laughs> really I think because we see the worst of the worst and only the worst of the worst sometimes we have to have a reality check that there are millions of people driving cars every day that don't get in fatal car accidents mm. um, there's it's kind of like coronavirus right now who oh, are oh, pregnant yeah. and get us started. millions of healthy babies born right, but we right. see the worst of the worst so yeah. sometimes it's we have to give ourselves a reality check that we only see the worst of the worst right. and that there is plenty of healthy people, healthy around too, that we yeah. don't come in contact with because the healthy right. people, the people who are driving down the road and don't get in an accident, don't call us. Right. right. So our, our proportion is very different. Yeah. Check on that. Right. That is a huge point I of argument well, in my house. Yeah. Well, that's the whole coronavirus thing right now. <laughs> oh God. I, I'm not so afraid for myself being on the helicopter. I, it's a, you know, it has its its risks. It's right. a very right. safe company, but it does have its risks. And I think that being around death and seeing that it's you know I'm more comfortable with you know, with my own you know death right, right but what scares me is the death of the people i love most mm. and so i really give my fiance a hard time about you know don't you go up on that ladder it's windy out there and he's like good woman i gotta go and I'm do this thing bathroom my yeah. feet untied. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually what I've liesel seen. just said was something he's like you know you don't see the the not so bad things and you don't right. see the normal th you only see the horrible things right and now i'm gonna go and get on that ladder <laughs> I want to live my life. So with, with that, do you have any friends or family or loved ones that kind of try to sway you out of the field because of how risky they, to them, like to their perception it could be? No, I, I really no. don't think so. Nobody's. No, I think everybody supported me in it. Okay. Yeah. They've I, been nervous at times. Well, yeah. I'm sure they, and that yeah. it's, it, 
it hasn't come from anything here, but it's come from the other stories they've seen yeah. where there may have been something that went wrong. They kind of associate that with, yeah. you know, helicopter. If someone sees a car accident, all, all cars can get into accidents. Right. You know, helicopter right, crashes, right. All, it can happen to anyone, of course, but it's that's part of the risk. But as our mechanics say, you're safer in the helicopter than you are driving down 55. Okay, so. okay, okay. There you go. As you can and see today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Steam> <laughs> response. And I, especially with our pilots, they're phenomenal. Okay. We don't, they're all incredible. Yeah. What's the um, winter seasons like for you? I know it's been mild recently, but you know, it's, it's a, is it a little slower? A little bit, but it's still, you know, 28, 30 calls yeah. minimum. I mean, we're still flying a lot, you know. Okay. People are still. Just a little bit colder. Yeah, it's, <laughs> colder, yeah. it's yeah. so cold. But yeah. Does it get hot in these uh, jumpsuits? Sure does. Mm. It gets real, real hot. It gets, and it gets hot real, in the real summer, cold. and it gets cold in the winter. And we go from, you know, we go from the aircraft where we get it nice and warm in the winter time and then yeah. you get out and it's brutally cold you go into a hospital that's nice and warm and you know what i mean so you're like yeah. hot cold hot cold but whatever it's part of the job we yeah. all we right. all enjoy it you have to dress to for an emergency you know landing so right, if we were right. to land in a field or something right. for a light that went on or whatever you have to be dressed to be okay in yeah. negative whatsoever it is outside so it gets real real hot um but you have to be prepared. I've never sweat so much in my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wearing he was, a helmet. He was 270 pounds when he started. Oh, okay. I'm just joking. <laughs> you look great. Count that I high. just sweated. Uh, just, and that's another element it adds to it, too. Yeah. Is when we, um, when we get a patient from one hospital to another, we shut down. So it's freezing outside. As soon as we bring that patient out, we get them into the aircraft. Depending on how far the helipad is from... The ER entrance, it could be a minute, two minutes, could take an ambulance to get over there. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're constantly battling that. In the heat, you got the helmet on, it, it makes it 10 times worse. You're sweating like crazy. And there's times where you want to turn the air control on or AC, and you're like, no, well, this patient needs the heat on. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of sacrificing your own comfort just to make sure that what you're doing is best for them. Yeah. Sweat's mm -hmm. going in your eyes or your fingers are so cold they don't move. Oh. Yeah, or you're hitting your knee on something, and you just have to grit your teeth and get to whatever you're reaching for. And so, is there? I mean, your head. any any me, I'm gonna use the bathroom. Any other like um, logistical tips and tricks for being in that small space? Liesel is the queen. Yes, I got a really tips. big one. Wear deodorant. Wear deodorant. <laughs> Wear deodorant. Oh no, who's who 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 has bo on the phone? <laughs> just, just yes. Just None yeah. of us. Yes. <laughs> Where do you smell lavender? The and wash your smelling flight flight suit. Flight <laughs> <laughs> it's important. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, there's you like, don't want to smell worse than your patient does. Oh, no. that's that's never good. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just picture that. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, no. Uh, realistically, knowing your equipment is huge. Knowing where things are because when shit hits fan in the back of the aircraft. You don't want to be fumbling around trying to find stuff right? because you don't have all the room to do it. It's not like you can lay everything out nice and pretty to where you can see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you really got to know your equipment, where it's at. Yeah. Um, your equipment checks are very important every morning, just like on any ambulance, any hospital. So how easy would it be if something wasn't in proper order to, to replace that that day, you know? It's um, not. 
it's well, not easy to replace like a machine. Right. We have like, Sp dull, like we have spares. Spare. Well, we yeah. have, we so, have backup yeah. equipment. We yes. don't, we're, yeah, we're not breaking things all willing. Like if you're like in the hospital, you're like, oh, my art line tubing, you know, <laughs> garbage. Yeah. If we don't, we, we try not to be wasteful. Right. Because right. it doesn't, you right. know, the ordering processes, you know, that figured out. We make it work. You'll find something and some way to make it work and yeah. and just you know you kind of got to do what you got to do but we we pretty much stock our aircraft to where honestly we could do two flights back to back oh okay you know so if let's say we do and we've had this happen where you land at a at a hospital take somebody in and you come back out and the pilot's like hey we got another flight mm -hmm. it's like all right let's go you know but you're you, i mean you can re resupply like restock right well Mm -hmm. Or do, do do they not have everything you need? Hospitals may have what we need, yeah. but it may not be the same brand. It may oh, not be oh, compatible right. with our yeah. equipment. Yeah. Yeah, so because yeah. you're not just in one region, you know, you're right. In, you're in, yeah, so it, exactly. it's if we have yeah. the things that are critical that we're going to need, we can take a flight again. You know, which generally we keep extras of anything that we're going to use right. in the in right. the aircraft just for that reason. Or if something breaks, that way you can still right continue on with your call. And yeah. hospitals usually are very generous, or for whatever yeah. reason, we do need something. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll have you know two sets of adult vent tubing, pediatric tubing, okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we become kleptos. That's kleptos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. <laughs> but not to take home. It's actually for work. Yes. <laughs> but, I want to let everyone know I washed my hands, so no coronavirus will oh, be here. Oh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> and that's another thing. Even with medications, if we're at a hospital picking somebody up and we need a med for the patient that we don't we don't have it, hmm. you know, you just say to them, "Hey, we need this. Can you get it for us?" And they'll get you whatever you need. Yeah. And you know, the goal is best treatment for the patient. So right. you kind of work. You're you're working together for the same goal. So. Mm -hmm. So, as you guys know, this is like a career exploration podcast, passion project podcast. Um, what do you guys feel when you guys come to work? Like, what's that feeling of being, like, that lights you up? I've never been excited to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, right? You're, up at <laughs> You're not a morning person. I've, I've worked night shift. Before I started this, I worked night shifts for six years straight. Yeah. And starting this, I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning, it does... Kind of suck just getting out of bed, but as soon as you get out, you're like, oh, I need to go to work today. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but I always put on my Superman underoos before I come to work. <laughs> uh, I wear Batman. <laughs> Batman beats Superman. You walk out the door. Da, da, da. <laughs> cape, no cape, cape. No cape. No cape. Yeah. He's the only one with a Velcro tearaway. Oh, yeah. Suit. I can yeah, see right? you more like uh, from Doug Quail Man. Yes. <laughs> with the belt on your head. Nice. You got Flash sitting over there. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man. I listen to, I'll start out, I'll listen to, like, a podcast um, okay. for, like, the first 20 minutes on my way in, and then I put on some good music and right, right, wakey-wakey. Right. Yeah, but, medical podcasts are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we travel to St. Louis a lot for training. Okay. And, you know, riding in the car, I'll, I'll put a podcast on, and because yeah. then you got that much time, you can listen to a whole podcast. Right. And, you know, it's kind of neat. Hear the new the mood. Hear the new things coming out. Mm -hmm. Depends on the mood. Yeah. I do like to dance in the car, I wanna, too. If I want to listen to Joe Rogan talk about Flat Earth, I'll do that. Oh, oh shit. Nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen to some motivation, I'll listen to Jocko. Jocko Willink, Or yeah. I'll, I'll just 
listen to some kind of boring medical podcast. I think everybody here truly loves their job. Um, we're all very dorky when it comes to the helicopter. Um, I know I personally have locked myself out of the house running outside to see a helicopter running to figure out who's flying over my house before. Um, and it never gets old. Like when we take, when the next crew comes in and they get an early flight and we see the helicopter take off, it, you just get excited about watching it take off. Um, I still take pictures of it if it's over my head. And, you know, it's just. We get excited when we get to fly. Um, and I think that we are all. I don't want to talk for everyone, but I feel I'm very lucky that I have a job I truly love. Right. Um, and I can't say there's a lot of people out there that no. do have jobs that they love. Yeah. And the minute I stop loving it, it's going to be time to find something else to do. Exactly. Um, and I think for anybody, whether it's flight medicine or paramedicine or becoming a fireman or a travel agent or a mechanic, you got to love what you do. You got to love what you get up and do every morning. Um, got one life. Yeah. We love it so much that we have an app on our phone that can track flights, just any flight in general. And uh, he's notorious for it. We do a flight. He'll, hey, how was that flight go? How'd you even know? Wait, kind of like what, a police scanner? Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Shows, it, just, it just shows you flights. Right. Yeah. Every, every flight that's going everywhere. Every flight or just these like, med medical No, no, flights? every flight. Every every flight. Airplanes, flight. everything. So you can find oh. which one is ours and we'll... Like, oh, hey, we see them because they fly over. I, where I'm at, they fly over my house all the time. I'm like, oh, there they are. There they are. They're up right, there. Right. Like, that's, that's, that's Aaron and Casey. Casey got to be on the news with Tom Skilling. Oh, uh, Tom. Aaron <laughs> he, owes me a steak dinner. So I do not. <laughs> um, yeah, Casey was, was very passionate about the weather for a little bit. He's better now. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, would Casey give us Miller. updates about <laughs> the weather. And, you know, firehouse mentality. You're right, gonna, right make fun of everybody for right, anything. right right um but we had a pillow made for him of tom skilling that is in the back room that he's oh, not no, gonna no. get <laughs> <laughs> so we showed who it was at least we'll packed it away in the bed and it ended up on with tom skilling so it was it was really costume. fun in the elf costume yeah, yeah. with an elf mm -hmm. costume it was awesome and i took a picture and sent it to him on facebook and it he was, loved it <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny but you know we make fun of each other right Everyone's got a thing and you know it's all in good fun oh we definitely make fun of each other especially you yeah. but see it's it's things like things like that like checking the app even when you're not working that truly shows that you love what you do even when you're not oh, yeah. officially yeah. here and not only that like so that like that cons consistent checking in with each other is that like de-stressing without even realizing it mm. a lot of times we're doing it too i know i do it just so i can get the the tracking on my phone to see if they got here they got here okay now they're back at base mm. so that they're back right, safe they're okay safe. Oh, okay. it's kind of like you just like i need to know that they're back oh um for emts we're about halfway through my class right now um any advice for emts that are about to graduate yeah mine is work in the industry a little bit before you go on to become a medic um get comfortable with doing your your you know when you're doing your patient evaluation get comfortable with that become familiar with it and the, one of the biggest things i can say is be very systematic every time mm -hmm. because when you start to bounce around that's when you miss things yep. mm -hmm. yeah so if you yeah. always come at it with a systematic approach you're you're 
not going to miss those things you would if you just kind of were bouncing around. Yeah. yeah. Would you have similar advice for those not graduated yet, but going through clinicals? Sure. Yeah. So just be it's, systematic about systematic's it. Systematic is the biggest, biggest thing. Ask once questions. you Once you get good at that system and you become methodical, you become better, you know, you observe better. Yeah. You're a better clinician when you do that. Any advice for students faced with unwelcoming preceptors? Don't be afraid to stand up mm. and talk to your manager or, you know, somebody that can help you. Don't be afraid of that retribution. You know, my, uh, I had a family member, a new nurse that was experiencing that mm -hmm. and, you know, felt like she was being bullied and was kind of going through yeah. a hard time and, um, you know, I really encouraged her to go. And she's like, well, what if they don't want me? I'm like, then it's not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be afraid to speak up and stand up for yourself. Um, it is very scary to stand up for yourself. So, yeah. you know. Their lead instructor, they should ultimately always be able to go back to the lead instructor with any kind of problem with the preceptor. Right. You know, the lead instructor can change preceptors. They can put them in a different firehouse. Yeah. And it, you know, um, you should always have that kind of communication with your instructors. Yeah. And because preceptors, you know, you might get a preceptor that's a one year guy who's brand new and he's all cocky and, right. you know, maybe he's not the right fit for you for yeah. teaching. So yeah. if, if you, instead of being very quiet and just dealing with it, if you talk to your instructor and say, Hey, look, you know, this guy just might not be for me. I'm not learning anything. I don't like the way he talks to me, the way he treats me. You know, and just be honest, your your instructor should be able to accommodate you and make a change somewhere. Yep. Hmm. Document, I would say. Um, not even dealing with a difficult preceptor, but just doing clinicals in general. Mm -hmm. Be eager. Um, be eager, yeah. And listen 10 times more than you talk. Yeah. Um, even if someone, even if you've heard something be said five times already, it might be the sixth time where someone says it just a little differently that you can apply it a different way. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've all been in the hospital and seen students who just stand in the corner right. and looking right. on their phone or whatever, and people aren't going to take take the effort if they're not going to put the effort in uh, it goes back to as much effort as they put in their clinicals right they'll get back as an instructor those are the ones that i call out first because yeah. i'm not going to let you stand in the back of a room yeah, me too. i'm going to call you up and say all right now you're going to show everybody how to do this since you know it right. so well that you don't need to participate right show us how to do it apparently you understand it's it really and... really no excuse for medic students to be doing that but no. on the on the emt side a lot of this is their very first time in an mm -hmm. er um, they want to be helpful, but they, they're in the middle of the semester. They probably don't know what everything is. They don't know where everything is as much as they want to be helpful. They don't know how to be helpful. Well, that, that's why as a student in that position, you go to your nurse or whoever you're, you're following and you tell them, I don't know everything. I, I wish I knew more, but I don't, I'm here to learn. I want to help. Tell me what I can do without being in the way mm -hmm. so that I'm helping, mm -hmm. I'm learning. And I'm not a hindrance on you or, or your patient, you know, yeah. and you just got to be straightforward. They've been there. We've all gone through it. Yeah. Yeah. What can I do? We've all been in those shoes at some point. Yeah. I tell them, and towards the end of the semester, you know, whether it was a positive or negative um, precepting experience to never forget those experiences because eventually they'll be in that preceptor. Role exactly. Eventually. 
um, I mean, in healthcare, you should want to give back because these students will be your peers one day. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so you never and know who's going to be able to be taking care of you one day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you can have a lot of experience. You know, coming here, I had a lot of experience with the fire department mm-hmm. and being a medic. But my first day here, I felt like an EMT student who was the first day in the emergency room. You're like, I'm in the way. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, but luckily, the preceptors at the time they understood that because they were in the same shoes when they started. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't feel that way, there's something wrong with it. Right. You. Right. You know, right. That, that's yeah. a normal feeling. So you just gotta, you gotta overcome that feeling and, and kind of jump in there and be ready to, you know what, you're going to make mistakes and somebody's going to tell you it was a mistake and you make your changes and fix it. Cool. Um, do you guys do ride alongs for like, if they were an EMT, do they need a certain level of licensing or? I think that if you, if we, yes, we would like somebody to have a basic right. license okay. um, of some kind or cert. Um, and there are, are going to be time periods that are better for ride-alongs, um, but they can usually just email us and we can discuss details and kind of figure that out. And uh, yeah, we absolutely do them. There's a, I don't know if it's a myth, but are they, they not guaranteed a ride back from the scene if they go to the scene? What? That's right. Sometimes it's, but not it's common. Not necessarily not a myth. Um, if we happen to get somewhere and that patient is a very, you know, excessive weight, very okay. heavy, our our helicopter, you know, there are weights and balances. Okay. So now, if there's an issue with we don't have enough weight to get this patient, we will leave you at say a, a hospital. But it doesn't mean you're not going to get back. Yeah, we may have to fly that patient and then come back to get you. But Um, we'll make sure one way or another that you get back to the helipad. Oh, that's nice of you. Okay, we're not going to leave you in corn. So the myth was you're going to have to Uber your way back to wherever. No, (laughs) no, no. I'll take care of you because I mean that's we take care of you. Yeah, you're our responsibility, so we can't just abandon you. Um, yeah. So I, I never had to do that. Yeah. I've not had and to do that. And a lot of times wood, before we fly, the pilots know the weight. So if it's an excessive, excessively, excessively heavy patient, we'll mm-hmm. just tell you before we even go, hey, we're going to have to have you sit this one out just because, sure. you know, the weights, you know, we got to do what we got to do. So, Okay. And don't be offended if you come along for a ride along that we ask you your weight because we need to have an accurate weight and don't lie about what your weight is either when you tell us your weight because otherwise we'll have you just stand on a scale. Oh man. Um, because for safety reasons we have to have accurate yeah. weights on everybody. And for safety when you get out of the aircraft if someone grabs onto you and pulls you back that's don't be insulted by that. Uh, I'm definitely horse collared. Yeah, like something that we just you don't notice those tail rotors spinning. Yeah. You don't want to go past a certain distance. So if that happens it's not anything against you it's just we're making sure that we have our eyes on you at all times for sure for sure yeah they're your responsibility um that's all i had guys Do you, is there any closing remarks that you want to kind of put out into the world good vibes anything like that no it's just for me i anybody out there who's looking to become in, in flight you know medicine it's a great career mm-hmm. great experience mm-hmm. um it's never the same so yeah. every day you come to work is a different day yeah. And if you if you like difference in your job and if you like a job or a career that actually means something at the end of the day, it's perfect career. Yeah, you guys are fulfilled. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And we're again, you know, we're very passionate about mm-hmm. teaching. Um, when I wanted to be a flight nurse, I was able the day before my interview, I was able to 
call up the McHenry base and for flight for life and be like, what do you recommend I study? You know, and they were like, who, who is this? You know, but they were very, very helpful. Okay. Everyone will mentor you. If you're passionate and you want to get into this field, we will help you. Yeah. So don't be shy. Don't. Yeah. If anybody's got questions, I can always call the base here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're more than happy to answer as best we can. Yeah. You know, just like she said with, if they want to study to try to, you know, learn the route to go, yeah. mm-hmm. we'll always help out. Do you guys do internships as well? There was, they, they, or was that another company? I don't know if that was. I, yeah, we oh, did, did one. Oh, yeah, we, we did one. We had some an awesome people. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, two awesome, awesome people. Um, one of them but, landed a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, that, the flight nurse. Oh, out, wow. Yep, out east. Duke. Duke, Duke. University. Oh, yep. badass. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they're super cool people. I don't know. Um, the company was kind of yeah. I don't know how. Um, I don't know how helpful it was to them, yeah. or you know, I don't know if the company's sure going to continue to yeah. do it. I think it was kind of a trial thing to okay. see, you know, if it was helpful versus you know what could they do better, or is this not something that if there's a better way to go about doing this? Yeah, is the company looking for more medics and nurses? Yeah. Like, is there, is there, there, so is there a shortage or because I don't feel like there's a high turnover rate. It depends. Yeah. That, that it depends on the base. It depends on people's lifestyles. Mm. Um, The shortage I think is tough. um, Cause it's, there's such a high standard. If you go to the privates, you can hand them your license. They give you a job. Yeah. Fire departments. You have to go test. You have to get your CPAT. You have to be put on a list. The requirements here are very high, mm-hmm. so it, it weeds a lot of people out. There are plenty of candidates that are probably more than good enough to do it, um, but I think that's just probably the hardest part is that the standards we just we set very high, especially at this base. Mm. What do you guys do for someone? I, I just get these random questions. Yeah, no, that's fine. Do for someone that come in thinking they're hot shots. And we talked about having humbling moments and experiences, but what if they're just not getting humble? You know what? They're going to, they're going to come in like that. And I will tell you, it may not happen the first day. It may not happen in the first week. We do have people here who will tell you, they'll put you in your place. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in a nice way, but they will do it. Cause you can't just fire someone. No, well, but, no if, but if you are, if you are not, if you are cocky, you are dangerous. Mm. If you are cocky, you are dangerous. So if you are not responding to that helpful feedback, then it becomes escalated. Mm-hmm. And there's ways to do that. Um, but if your behavior is becoming a safety concern, that is all of us. That's It's a good way to divert that character flaw away from that person. And just yeah. it's a safety thing when it comes to it. It is a safety issue because cocky becomes forgetful. You mm-hmm. become, you know, overconfident. You yep, complacent. Yeah, mm. you you miss things, and that's the minute you become on that aircraft, you become complacent. That's when an accident's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. You know, you always got to be on high alert, okay. and not just for yourself, for your teammates, for other people. You know, we land somewhere, your head's got to be out on a swivel because if little Johnny comes running up to the back of the aircraft, and they do. You know. Oh, helicopter, helicopter, and they just come running up. You've mm-hmm. got to have your head out ready for that, you know, to happen if mm-hmm. it does happen, and then be ready to respond. So a lot of people do silly things when they're excited or or stressed out, you know. Mm. So a lot of us have our own personalities. You're 
you're going to clash when you put a lot of people together. So um, I think we have like an alpha personality. Everyone has that in them, but we're able to have a good chemistry here. Um, and we, we do critique each other and there's never any hard feelings about that. I think that's something I've noticed is a problem with people coming in is they can't take the criticism. Mm. If you can't take criticism from someone who has experience, who's established themselves, then it's, it's going to be very difficult to progress. Mm. Well, it's coming from a place of safety, but exactly. also wanting you to be successful. So, yeah, I don't know. I, a lot of it is like they've, this is like almost the epitome for a lot of people's careers and they put a lot of pressure on it. So they want to perform. So they feel like personally attacked when they feel some criticism. But yeah. Yeah, Constructive gotta, criticism right. stuff. First it day is. I came in here or second day, I think it was Joe was like, you got nothing to prove now. And I thought he was tricking me. <laughs> like, you got nothing to prove. And I was like, no, I, I, I still do. You, you have to prove, I, I think I have to prove it every day. Just not even to anyone else, just to who it's I to am. to yourself. So yeah. if you're, if you can't accept yeah. the criticism when, especially here, we're not, doing it in a, a, a mean way it's no. here's something you could do better and if you search for criticism and you accept it it's only going to make you better yeah and end of the day we are our own worst critics you yep. know there's you go on a call and then you come back and now that you're not in the moment and you're reading down your call and what you did you're like why didn't we do this we could have done this you know and you critique yourself probably worse than other people do yeah other people are like no you guys did a great job it's like but we could have done this we could have done that you know so you get you get used to it and criticism is always good it's always helpful any advice for a new grad whether it's emt or medic or flight medic flight nurse um that witnesses a veteran let's say 10 years on the job doing something inappropriately or incorrectly and someone that seems like they're set in their ways my cousin is like hermione granger okay okay she's like it's leviosa <laughs> talking to her like you know she's your preceptors are not always going to do it textbook mm -hmm. and if you are harping on them or like bup, 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 mm. then you're not gonna set a good starting position for yourself however right, right. If something is not safe or if something is morally, you know, wrong to you, then, you know, you can talk to that person. You can talk to somebody, you escalate it. Mm -hmm. um, but nitpicking mm. and being like, oh, 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 you didn't scrub the hub for 30 seconds, you know, or whatever, um, is potentially going to make you not the best team player. Right, right, so, right. I don't think you should be afraid to confront somebody if they do right. something morally wrong right. or something, you know, you could look over and I've had partners that I've worked with in the fire department, whatnot, where they might be doing something. It's like, Hey, wait a minute. And they're like, Oh damn, thanks. You know, they were just, their mind was somewhere else right. and they were right. complacent or they were just, you know, thought they were doing one thing when they weren't. And you just kind of, you know, it's not, not anything against them no you're just you know we all get to where there's times where every one of us does something that somebody's gonna you know hey what are you doing and you're like oh wow yeah <laughs> you know so you can't be afraid to to say something yeah that's good advice yeah um 
thank you guys for coming on yeah thanks for having thanks me for, no, thanks for having us mm-hmm. thanks for doing what you guys do um, you too this is fun this, this is, is yeah. fun yeah this is this is really my creative cool. outlet you know I Jocko like Wilnick <laughs> no, maybe, he doesn't. Maybe one day. Yes, he does. This is, this is going to be. He knew the name. <laughs> my fiance is going to be so excited. He's Angel got a life size poster Rogan, above Ferris, our bed. It's Audie weird. Marcus, all those guys. <laughs> um, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Um, and uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Stay curious. And Abla Aloha.